On this episode of the Breaking the Game Show, Austin and I are joined by our good friend Jurgen Coney to discuss the twilight of the All-Star Weekend. We get into the Blake Griffin contract buyout and signing with the Brooklyn Nets. We get into Mike Conley being named the injury replacements injury replacement. We talk about Zion Williamson being named a starter on Team Durant. And then we also talk about who we think are some of the best players to never be named an NBA All-Star. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Remember that Breaking the Game is brought to you by way of Off the Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all of your sports needs. I am Stephen Gillespie, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Austin Carr. Austin, what's up, brother? Not much, Stephen. It's been a, a great day. I had a busy Sunday, but it's been good. How about you? Uh, good. Just uh, did a little bit of birthday stuff with the... Two of my four kids, and yeah, had a long, busy day with uh, you know watching kids and celebrating that. My son got baptized today, so it was a busy cool. day in the Gillespie house. Yeah, so uh, now we get to talk a little bit about basketball. So yes. can't think of a better way to you know wrap up the day there. For sure. Alrighty, but we have a special guest, kind of a recurring guest, if you will, a friend of the show. Very much a friend of the show, fellow Off the Ball Network colleague and Jergen Coney. Jerg, what's up, brother? Nothing much, nothing much. Officially got friend of the show label. I'm very excited. <laughs> my, my, I, uh, Steven, I know your family's had a big day. That I just got a big day now, right there. So my Sunday's going very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're all family here, so you know my family is uh, big and getting bigger. To quote the Beastie Boys here, but uh, yeah, we got a good show lined up, guys. We're going to be wrapping up the All Star Weekend here. Got some breaking news that came out right before the show. And we're going to be talking about a couple of the participants that are taking place on All-Star Weekend this week. So without further ado, guys, let's kind of get going here. So yeah. the big news right now is that Blake Griffin has signed a deal with the Brooklyn Nets for the remainder of the season. I believe right now the terms are the standard veteran minimum for the rest of the season. Uh, he agreed to a buyout with the Detroit Pistons, who he had been with for the past couple of seasons after being dealt from the Los Angeles Clippers, kind of unceremoniously. We won't get too much into that right now, but you know, there there's a good amount of people who think that he has a lot to give. Uh, I myself am a little bit reserved on how I think that he'll fit with Brooklyn, but I'm interested to get your guys' take. Jerg, you're our special guest, man. What's kind of your thoughts, feelings about the buyout and then the signing for Blake Griffin? So the buyout, I think ultimately we've all seen it coming uh, at the at the end of the day. Just no team was going to be willing to take on that contract, especially with the fact that I believe at least after this year it was a player option, if I'm not mistaken. And we know Blake was going to pick that up. It's not like last season where like Gordon Hayward, when he declined his, there was some sample size to where a team you could have realistically saw him get another three to four year deal. I don't think we would have seen that with Blake. So I think with, with Blake, a team trading for him, you were essentially getting that whole other year at such a high cap value that was never going to happen. So I think bio was the only realistic way at the end of the day. Uh, now in terms of what he could bring to the nets, 
it, it's going to be an interesting thing. So I, I'm kind of on your level, Stephen. The the level of play that Blake is going to bring to the team, that's my main question because we, we saw a, a guy that retired within the last week or so, Joe Kim Noah. Like we could tell that injuries really dealt their toll on his body in his later years. And I think we are slowly, if not slowly, we are now really seeing what it's done to Blake. He just, even when we've seen him play going back to last season and this season, he just doesn't look or feel like the same player even anymore, even to that year in Detroit when he made the all-star team again. So in terms of the level he could bring to them, I'm uncertain. Now in terms of his skill, that's where I need to give them some credit for, because I think he's improved so much as a passer We've seen him be a reliable three-point shooter at times. Now, can he kind of transition into potentially being a catch-and-shoot guy? That's a very big if, if he can somehow do that. Again, I personally don't think so, but he's at least a reliable three-point shooter. He's not like a 21% shooter. He's consistently been in the 30s throughout a majority of his uh, last few seasons, Uh, especially his best year in Detroit. I think he was around 35, 36, and that was being the number one guy. Uh, Yeah, his passing, the pick-and-roll potential with him, him and Kyrie or him and Harden. And I think some chemistry, like I think DeAndre Jordan, I wouldn't have been shocked if Jordan was a guy who he, he probably didn't need to convince his teammates, but just make, let them know, like, this is a quality guy we're bringing in. And at this point, I think Blake more than understands, like, this is their, this guy, uh, their team. I'm just here to help out. So I think the skill set has a chance to transition with the Brooklyn big three, but now to what level that that's the unknown for me. Yeah, and that's all fair and good. Uh, Austin, I want to throw you in the mix too because this is a guy that has one of the worst field goal percentages in the entire Mm -hmm. NBA. Austin, there are a lot of people who feel that he was just kind of quote-unquote mailing it in. I think that's kind of a strange and bold move to take in Detroit where you're an injury-riddled player, you're kind of regressing a little bit, and then your solution to this is to not – try to be a good basketball player like how do you feel about that i don't know if it makes much sense um it's definitely something that that i've heard talked about but i think that's more from fans of teams that wanted to sign him in hopes that he would bring something extra than what he's shown this year um you know like jerg said i think his passing is going to be is going to be helpful he'll be you know he knows the game of basketball pretty well he's got a lot of experience um but injuries have definitely, t- you know, taken away the Blake Griffin that we that we know from the past. I still don't think he's dunked this year, if 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 I'm <laughs> correct, which is insane. Mm-hmm. It's been I, I just read the other day; it's been over two years since he dunked in a game. Which, if to think about that, even two or three years ago would have been insane. So yeah. he's not the player that he was. Um, will this work out for Brooklyn? Yes, I think so, but kind of because I don't know that they really needed him all that much. And he's probably not going to be playing 31 minutes a night for them like he was for Detroit. So maybe you can get a little bit something more out of him in small bursts. I don't know. But I'm not like super amazed that this happened. It's something that's kind of was expected, I think, from a lot of people. And I don't know how much better it makes Brooklyn since I think they were already one of the two best teams in the NBA before this. And um, it's just, I mean, it's interesting. You know, you hear all the time uh, about guys needing help and super teams and how many, how much help does a guy need? Well, this is Kevin Durant's doing this again, really. I mean, look at the teams that he's been on the last four or five years, even 
back before that when he was in Oklahoma City. I mean, he was on a team that eventually had three MVPs. You know, he's always had a lot of really good teammates. So um, nothing new, really. Just uh, I, he's a big name. So, of course, we have to talk about it. But I, I don't know how much it really is going to make that big of a difference. Yeah. And a, a couple of things I want to point out is that I think it it bodes well for Blake that he's going to a team that wants him. Vice, you know, has to have him, you know, to yeah. be that difference maker. A couple of other teams like Golden State and Miami were said to be in the mix to land his services for the rest of the for the rest of the year. I think with Brooklyn, you kind of mitigate whatever liability that he might be, maybe even have him come off the bench to give a little bit of you know, that second unit, a little bit of burst. You could have momentum plays where if he does something good, you know, that kind of bolsters the the morale of the team. Uh, right now, I don't know how much better he is, honestly, than Jeff Green. And I'm not really trying to slight Blake Griffin at all. But if you look at what Jeff Green is doing on this team, he you know, he's been in the league longer. He's a little bit older. He's had injuries and stuff that he's dealt with, too, but he's still scoring reasonably well. He's rebounding. He can bring the ball up the floor a little bit, too. And he's a better defender than Blake Griffin. So if you look at Blake this season in Detroit, he was putting up 11 shots, only made four. You know, he's shooting 36% from the floor, mm-hmm. shooting 31% from deep, shooting 71% from the foul line. For a guy who plays a lot of minutes, he only gives you five rebounds as your kind of big forward on the floor. So he doesn't really rebound well either. Defensively, he is less than one still and only gives you 0.1 blocks per game at, at as your front court player. So you have a big that doesn't score efficiently. He doesn't rebound and he doesn't defend particularly well. So really what you're hoping is that this, what four assists per game kind of helps a team that's already moving the ball pretty well. So a little bit redundant there, but again, you know, you nailed it on the head to me. Austin is that he's a, he's a big name. Doesn't cost a lot of money. You had roster spaces to fill. And, you know, adding a guy that is friendly with the rest of the teammates that are on this team doesn't really hurt you that much. I just hope that it doesn't – he doesn't get a large piece of the pie, if that makes sense, Jerg. Oh, no, it definitely makes sense. I don't, I don't think he will. I think you guys have both made excellent points to where I, I, I think – at this point, Blake understands. Like I, I've said it before, usually when when top tier athletes look in the mirror, the ego is the, normally the last thing uh, to go and to know for them. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I think Blake is a little bit of a different case. I actually want to pose this question to you guys really fast in regards to Blake, and this is solely depending on how this Nets tenure goes, whether they win the title or not. Like, if he at least plays better with them, could you see? the final years of his career being more in the Grant Hill mold, where if he is able to stay healthy enough, he's not going to get back to that all-star status. I don't think Mm -hmm. we can expect that from him, and nor do I think it's fair. But can he become that Grant Hill type of guy for teams, the solid veteran, bring some leadership? If if he can maybe uh, get his shooting touch back, especially with the regular field goal percentage, like if, if he can do all that, could he become that veteran liaison Grant Hill type guy where maybe he could be your fifth starter in the lineup or one of your first guys coming off the bench on a very good team? Because I think Brooklyn gives him the best chance to do that, being next to guys. We always know when a guy is next to a superstar, they're going to play better, they're going to look better. If that uh, if that goes, uh, if that happens, could that be the case with, with Blake Griffin? Could he give himself a career extension here? Uh, in his time in Brooklyn. that That's what I'm actually wondering. What do you think, um, Austin? 
You know, that's a good question. I, I would like to think so, but I, I, with all the knee injuries that he's had, it's hard. It's hard to see that really. Um, I don't know how much he has left to be honest. He's already 31 or two years old and most of his game was speed and power and athleticism and that's gone. And it's obvious that that's gone now, you know, if he was shooting 45% or close to 50%, he'd be averaging 15 or 17 points a game and instead of 11. And so if he can, you know, if he is just having a down year, if he wasn't, you know, really giving it his all in Detroit every night and he just ups that a little bit. I mean, you're looking at a guy that is, you know, fairly productive offensively then. And, you know, going to Brooklyn and playing with three legitimate star players with him, you know, the defense isn't going to be focusing on him. The, you know, he's going to get probably a lot of easy shots if they move the ball as well as they have. So this could be the the perfect opportunity for him. Um, if he can get that shot back a little bit and get, get to a point where he's more of a, willing to be like a role player like that, which I, I don't see why he wouldn't be. So I could see it. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to, you mentioned Grant Hill. That's a great name to drop, especially with how he played later in his career. You know, actually a former teammate of current head coach, Steve Nash and played underneath assistant coach, Mike D'Antoni. So mm-hmm. you got a little bit of connection there, but what made Grant such a, a great fit in Phoenix whenever he kind of came back was his was the fact that he could shoot the ball really well right. and he would and he made great decisions even before coming into Phoenix so it wasn't like you were looking at a player who hasn't hadn't played well and then you're asking him to play well in a new spot whereas I think Blake you're asking a guy who hasn't been efficient hasn't really looked good in a certain situation asking him to come in where you guys are right though. I mean, he's going to have the best shots that he could ever ask for on this team with limited amount of, you know, opportunity. So as long as he's hitting those close to the basket shots, as long as they're running that high elbow, you know, cut action off of him and he, he drops some pretty looks on that end and even gets you three or four rebounds a game. I think that he, you might look at him in that light. It's though, Jerg, you bring up a good point. It's really hard to look at a former superstar in a lesser role and think that they're doing a, a good job in that yeah. lesser role. Yeah. And that that's the thing that I think with, with a guy like Blake, a lot of people, they're going to misidentify what his role could be on this team. I was actually just conversing with a uh, a friend of mine and he was talking about the fact that oh Brooklyn has five all-stars now it's like well they, <laughs> they really don't like I know Blake and DeAndre have been that before but they are no longer those they no longer have that monarchy to them like they are no longer those players but now they could especially with Blake I think he does have a legitimate chance to kind of convert his career from going from being all-star he was the face of the franchise for a very brief moment with the Clippers so now I think this could be a chance for him if he if he plays his cards right, if he maybe takes better care of his body. I don't buy the whole he wasn't playing well on purpose thing in Detroit because here's the thing. If he had played well, if he had played better, he then he would have gotten traded and he would have gotten to keep more of that money. Like I don't think he's going to play uh, uh, bad on purpose and cost himself like what the rest of this year's salary plus next year, which he would have picked up. Like, I think that's ludicrous to think about that. Yeah. Uh, I don't see, I don't think that it's wise to assume that he's like, yeah, I'm going to give up $13 million in order to better my career. Like, (laughs) I don't think that's ever in a player's mindset that they want to lose $13 million in order to play a lesser role 
on a team in order to get a championship. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a, a meme going around on Facebook and it was it said DeAndre and Blake together on the nets and it was a picture oh, of Mel, it was a picture of Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying Triple H and Shawn Michaels. I saw, I that, saw that one, one too. Yeah. That was a good one too, but I just thought the, the Mel Gibson and Danny Glover was was just even better. I have not seen that one. That's actually yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, again, just to kind of tie a bow at the end of the segment, as our friend Couch Coach Live likes to say, uh, you know, Shams reported that Blake Griffin uh, agreed to give back $13.3 million with his buyout in Detroit. He had $75 million on his deal for this season and 2021-2022. The six-time All-Star will clear waivers on Sunday, which is today of the time of this recording, and the Brooklyn Nets were the leaders to sign him, and they did. Um, and the terms of that deal have not fully been disclosed. There might be incentives and things of that nature incorporated with it. But right now, what we know is that it's a league minimum contract. Yeah. And again, you could do far worse with the league minimum than sign a six-time former all-star to your team. So, right. yeah, with that being said, gentlemen, we're going to be talking about a guy who just gave Steph Curry every bit of three-point shooting that he wanted in the all-star game, uh, but ultimately fell short, I jokingly told, uh, our buddy and vice president of the Off the Ball Network, Jeff Hunt, that the reason that he lost in the big game is because he's from Ohio State, and that's what they do. <laughs> so he uh, he appreciated that and uh, didn't talk well, to me from, anymore. He's from here in Indianapolis too. So <laughs> well, he was born in Arkansas, so he's that's yeah, the, no. that's the curse. The I mean, you're born in Arkansas, from Indiana. Mike, went to school at Ohio State. Mike Conley needs to come on the show, man. You're Mike from Arkansas. Conley. I'm in Indy. Jeff's an Ohio State guy. There we go. It's all set up. It's all set up. So we'll we'll let him finish what he's got going on in Atlanta right now, which is only about four hours north of where I am right now. But okay. guys, the big news is is that with the injury replacement player being injured himself and sitting out, that being Devin Booker filling in for Anthony Davis, now Mike Connolly Jr. has been named an all-star player and again three-point contest participant. And he just took second place in that contest. But guys, he's named an all-star for the first time in his NBA career. I believe he's the oldest player to ever do that at his current age. Um, what are your guys' thoughts of him, you know, again, being, let me see if I got it here. He's 33 years old right now, um, being the oldest to be named to his first ever all-star uh, participation, I guess I should say that. Um, Austin, what are your thoughts on Mike Connolly being named to being an all-star? Well, I'm happy for him. Um I think he probably deserved to be an all-star two or three years ago, uh, more so than this year, for sure. Um, his numbers just, they're good, but they're not really all-star level, not for this year. Not when there's so many guys that we've talked about in past shows and just in general that are so deserving this year. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, you know, some it may have something to do with the fact that he's, you know, he is 33 years old. He's been around as long as he has, and, and they just felt like it was – right to give it to him i don't know it could be because he's on the best team in the nba and they like to award that a lot with all-star games which is you know we'll we'll get to this in, in a bit i'm sure but it's kind of interesting our our next subject to talk about does you know does winning really matter for all-star participants or not and some it, it's mixed signals sometimes it seems to, like it does a lot and other times it seems like it doesn't really matter that much it's just you know based off of your name. But, you know, Mike Conley at one point was the highest paid player in the NBA ever for mm -hmm. a while, and now he's finally an all-star, so good for him. Um, I'm not upset by it. I think there were guys that 
could have been were more deserving that could have been added, but you know, good for him. Yeah, well, and Jerg, before I get to you, Austin, I was in a lovely Twitter conversation. I'll just you know mm-hmm. phrase it as that, where someone was telling me the case for Mike Conley, and I was listening, and they never once got into his individual stats. Yeah, never once. You know, they they pointed to the fact that oh, well, look at how well the Utah Jazz are doing right now. They're the best team in the Western Conference, best record in the NBA at twenty seven and nine. So Jerg, therefore. They have to have another guy named to be an all-star. That's just the way I, apparently it goes now. I, I just can't imagine like how guys like a like a Richard Jefferson would have felt if that logic existed in the early 2000s when he was a part of those dynamite Brooklyn Nets teams, and he was putting up yeah he's putting up 20 pieces and you know playing really really well. Um, I'm I'm sure that he wishes that logic existed back then, but. You know, now if you have the best record in the NBA, you have to have three all stars on your team, regardless of how what your team's philosophy is, what your t- individual stats are. What are your thoughts and feelings on, on this jerk for Mike Conley being named to an all star? So I think ultimately, if we are going to boil it down to the statistics wise, you think of a Mike Conley with about just over 16 points per game. This is this is uh, so, Stephen, I'm sure you already checked them, but you know, for that guy who didn't want to give you the stats because he was being so stingy. 16 mm. points per game, 5.7 assists, and I think probably around a steal or so per game, assuming because that's what Conley's yeah. been throughout his career. Not a steal and a half, yeah. Yeah, so uh, they're solid stats. I think Austin makes a good point. I think, like, again, like, this is just me. I don't know what nickname we want to give me for this, but maybe this is me putting my journalism hat on from my years in school. But the, the thing for me is that it can always be both things if we're presented with an A and B situation. It can potentially be that. It can be where there were other players more deserving. You're looking at stats. Steven, I know a guy that we've both, you know, talked a little bit about in DeMar DeRozan definitely mm-hmm. deserved some props for him. Uh, if only this had been an Eastern player, we could bring Jeremy Grant back in the discussion, but it's a Western Conference player, so you right. can't. And even a Brandon Ingram, who, like, I know Pel- the Pelicans don't have the best record, but Ingram is putting up very similar numbers to what he did last year. And we all know, we, we literally have said it on this show and other shows, like Zion was going to be the Pelicans all-star because Zion, they got to get him in the all-star game. Zion we'll get, Williams. We'll yeah. get more to him later. Uh, <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, ultimately, because Adam Silver, I believe, is if, if he's not the lone person, he ultimately has final say. I'm sure yeah. it's something around those lines. And I think he just wanted to reward Mike Conley. And I, I can't be mad at that at the end of the day because I think like Austin alluded to, like he had some very good seasons in Memphis where – how unlucky and like you mentioned Richard Jefferson some other guys they've just been unlucky with the competition they got to face and I don't think we should like I I know it's obviously nothing against Mike Conley but I'm personally like I'm not upset with him that like he is now getting the opportunity that a lot of guys didn't get because like just ultimately that's how things go on like everything advances and eventually the mindset of okay we're gonna give this guy his shot to participate in the all-star game for the first time in his career a guy who could have made it probably two or three times in his best years in Memphis I know his last year he averaged like 21 and six and a half and he didn't get in because of how loaded the West guards have always been. So I'm, I'm not particularly upset with it. I definitely think he deserves it. Uh, may or may not also be in like 2K9 and 2K10. I would always trade for him to for my franchise modes. But <laughs> aside from that, uh, aside from that, I, I think like this is one of those guys like, you know, I, you know, you can't complain about him. He's always been a good teammate. He's fit a lot better in Utah this year. Not personally, not, like, not upset, but also to Austin's point and to the point I'm sure you're about to get to, it can also be like Ingram, DeRozan, I'm sure one or two other guys I'm like forgetting off the top of my head. Like yeah. they definitely could have SGA. deserved Yeah, SGA. They could have earned that spot 
because their numbers are just better. Yeah, and it's one of these situations, right, where it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, and because yeah. it happened to a nice guy, you really hate to say yeah. he really shouldn't be named exactly. to this level. But I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm not going to tear him apart because Mike Conley, to his credit for the role that he's asked to play in Utah, does it phenomenally. I believe he's shooting like 40, 40, 80 on the season. That's freaking ridiculous, right? or 50, 40, 80 rather. So, no, I'm sorry. I had it right. It was 40, 40, 80. Six, so what, what sounds better to you guys, right? So 16, five and four or 25 and seven. 25 and, seven. Yeah. and uh, the guy shooting 25 and seven is shooting 48, 31 and 89. Who could this be? I mean, it's DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> so uh, it's no secret if you know me that I've been kind of beating the DeMar DeRozan drum that he should be on here. Not only just for his individual stats, but if we're going along this mindset that winning matters, hello, the San Antonio Spurs, who mm-hmm. same gentleman I talked to earlier on social media was giving me a hard time because he was like, oh, you were surprised that a Greg Popovich team made the playoffs? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I was because this same Greg Popovich team last season missed the playoffs and they didn't really do anything in free agency. So, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that this team at one point, I believe, was like the fifth seed when I started beating this drum. So mm-hmm. now they fell all the way down to seven. But I mean, the middle of the West is jumbled, you know, a game here mm-hmm. or there. They're back in that top five. So I do believe that DeMar should have been rewarded over you know, a guy like Mike Connolly Jr. So, and again, like if if we got to reward the Jazz, what's stopping us from saying, well, kick Zion out. Let's name Jordan Clarkson a, a Western Conference All-Star. Joe Ingles. Or j- let's get Joe Ingles in there over some of these other guys like, uh, you know, Paul George. Hello, everyone hates him. Let's put Joe Ingles in there over Paul George. So I, I know that Dame Lillard is a starter, but the Jazz are better than the trailblazers let's get uh bagdanovich in to start over damian lillard like at go. what po- at what point does it end gentlemen to where they say okay the top team needs x amount of all-stars regardless of how they are performing individually which isn't which is the intent of naming a player to the all-star it's not weighted to me i don't believe that you should weigh wins as heavily for an all-star not as opposed to say MVP because that I think is more valuable. Wins are more valuable. All stars is who's playing better individually, like lining up from across each other. That's how at least I look at it, but I digress. There's no real (laughs) rhyme or reason to it because I mean, Chris Middleton should be an all-star if, if that's the real thought process. I mean, they win the most games the last, each of the last two years and they're in third place this year and he's having the best year of his career. And Mm -hmm. and, No one's really said a word about him. And, you know, another guy that probably should be an all-star who isn't, but is it because his team isn't winning is Trey Young. And, I mean, how is he not on the all-star team? I I guess because – and some will say, well, that's because his team doesn't win enough. Well, then why isn't Chris Middleton on there? Why is Vucevic on this team? Why is Vucevic on here? Why were there originally no Pacers? And guys, and and then Boston has two starters, or, or not two starters, but two all stars. Yeah, and one starter, one starter, and they're in like ninth or tenth place. And it's it's there's no rhyme or reason to it at all. In some cases, they say winning matters. In some cases, they don't. So I don't know. And and that's just kind Our of training. like I'm not I'm not asking for a set criteria. But I just I want some level of consistency. Like right. the guy that we're going to talk about next is a uh, is a guy by the name of Zion Williamson, and uh, 
he not only was named an all-star starter while being what the 11th seed right now in the West at the time that he was named, I believe that the Pelicans were 13th Mm -hmm. in the Western conference and he was named to the all-star game, which is fine. You know, apparently Zion Williamson is going to take over the NBA though, because Mm -hmm. now that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were pulled out, uh, the all-star competition due to contract trade, excuse me, contact tracing, uh, Zion Williamson was named a starter in on what is it team Durant. Yeah. So he was named the starter over um, Durant. So Jerg, I want to turn this to you because I know that when we first started dialoguing about what we want to discuss today, that uh, you didn't really have a strong feeling one way or the other. I'm just curious as to why. So like for me, this is my thing with it. And I feel like I know what angle you're going to take with this, Steven. And I want to say if I'm if you what I'm guessing what you're thinking, if that is the case, I'm probably going to agree with you, because like I said, I don't really have like a strong feeling towards this. Mm-hmm. I just think the thing is this at the end of the day, the all the all star game in every sport, this ain't just the NBA. I'll say this for every sport except hockey. No, in all seriousness, like for, <laughs> for every single sport, the all star game is a glorified scrimmage game. We just put pop and festivity and advertising this is just an extra thing where the nba is getting advertising for everything like i i don't understand how some people don't realize that with it like this is just extra advertising for the league and so that that's that's my biggest thing so that's part of the reason why i don't have a particular thing with it and also like i'm not really surprised that they wanted to make zion a starter like this is one of those things like whenever there's an opportunity for young players to be named to the all-star team or to be named starters i feel like it happens if i'm not mistaken if he wasn't last year he was at least close to it trey young if he wasn't a starter he was at least this close to it Mm-hmm. Again, this is just me forgetting off the top of my head. Uh, obviously, we know Luca made it this year. We've had all the d- discussion about that. I know our, one of our guys, VP Mo, shout out to him. Like he was a big guy with wanting Dame to be a starter this year, and I think we all agree with him. This yeah, us too. Season. We were beating that drum on the show. Exactly. Like we I, we're all in agreement on these certain things, but I think when it comes to Zion, it's just and it's a last second thing too. Like at at the at the end of the day they want to name him a starter like i don't have strong feelings about it like it, it's the all-star game like just just let it happen a- ain't no one playing any defense in this anyways like we're Not just especially after players. especially after the contact tracing like ain't mm-hmm. no one playing any defense out there tonight so that's just my thing like if you guys say something that goes against that i'm probably going to agree with it or but like i said like i just i don't have a strong feeling cuz like in my mind it's just a glorified scrimmage that we have put on this amazing pedestal it's it's an all-star game like i'm not falling for it i'm just not well i mean the original like if you trace back the history of an all-star game it wasn't just a glorified scrimmage game right like this was there were implications of to you know legacies were on the line you know there were guys who's never looked the same before after an all-star game for better or worse right so uh, there was that aspect but as you know, we've seen the NBA has grown in marketing and advertising, Jerry, as you just so astutely pointed out that, yes, there's Mountain Dew on everything right now. There's Kia on everything right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is it has and, you know, kind of intelligently been put out that way as a big advertisement. Uh, you know, the Blake Griffin winning the dunk contest. I was just going to say he, Blake Griffin only won the dunk contest because he jumped <laughs> over a Kia. Exactly. Correct. Correct. So there is a lot of advertisement in this but ultimately though jerk we have these 
discussions. We have these debates about everything in basketball, right? Because right. we love the game. And, you know, if they say that there are certain things that we're taking into consideration for all these players, I think that, and I'm not saying that you disagree with this, but like me naturally, like I'm like, okay, I have to analyze this. I can't just let this sit at face value. Like, okay, cool. Zion's the guy. Like I, I personally can't do that. I have to dissect this and pick it apart because that's just the way that I'm wired. So, um, Austin, I want to read you some of the other teammates that were Mm -hmm. on Zion Williamson's current team that he is starting over now. Uh, Devin Booker is out. Anthony Davis is out, but James Harden, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, Julius Randle, and Nikola Vucevic. Most of these teams, most of these players, excuse me, if not all of them, actually, I might have to look at Vucevic's Magic's record right now. All of these guys are on teams with better winning records. Several of these guys are having better seasons individually at their respective positions. Now, if you consider... The fact that Joel Embiid, who right now is front runner MVP, I think, and at least two of our eyes, Jerk, I don't know how you feel about him. He's mine. He's mine. Okay, yeah. so all three of us agree that the the current leading MVP vote getter right now in Joel Embiid is out. Obviously, it would make sense that a front court player such as Zion Williamson would take his spot. Now, again, that being said, Julius Randle was available to be a starter, and Nikola Vucevic. Now, Randle's a one time All Star. Vuce just got his second nod for reasons. And uh, now Zion has been named the starter. So, Austin, when I named these these other teammates that could have gotten the nod at being a starter, do you feel any type of way that Zion was named the starter? Um, I mean, just hearing those names, I think James Harden comes to mind as somebody that probably deserves it a little bit more. But at the end of the day, I I'm excited about Zion Williamson more so than I am just about it by about anybody else in 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 this you know, group of guys that you named. Um, Who do I want to see in an all-star game? Do I want to see Zion Williamson flying down the court and dunking on people all night? Heck yes, I do. And I hope he plays a lot and I hope he has a chance to show out. I think that's kind of what this is for. I, I, I like showcasing the young guys. I like giving him an opportunity. Um, Do I think he was the most deserving? Probably not, but also the fan in me just wants to see, more of him out there just to see what he does in a game like this because I've kind of always felt like greatness in terms of individual talent really shows up in in games like this like we've seen in the past you know how many times did Kobe just absolutely take over in these games how many times did Allen Iverson just take over in the all-star game Russell Westbrook um, LeBron's done it several times and you know Anthony Davis did it when it was in New Orleans that year where he I mean he didn't he set the record for most points or second or something? But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I hope that Zion takes advantage of this opportunity and he gets to play a lot and and just, you know, I hope he does something that blows me away because he does just about every time I watch him. So I'm, I'm excited for him to get this opportunity. I, I think he is kind of the future of the NBA. Um, but in terms of who, who deserved it more, I mean, I think James Harden would have been a good pick. I, I but does it really matter? Is he going to play more than James Harden? Is, did James Harden want to play more than him in an all-star game that they didn't even know they were going to have a month and a half ago? You know, right. I don't know. Um, Zion was probably somebody that was would be super excited to get his first all-star start versus a bunch of guys that maybe, you know, it's his, like Harden, it's his eighth or ninth in a row. And he, he's been there before. You know, he probably wanted this time off to go party, to be honest. <laughs> 
I mean, he is in Atlanta, and we all know what Atlanta is right. kind of famous for. But um, right. I hear everything that your guys are saying. And, Jerg, I'm going to kind of call back to something that you said earlier, that both things can kind of be right at the same time, right? So, Austin and Jerg, you guys are talking about how phenomenal of a player that Zion, this early in his career, how phenomenal he is. And I totally agree with that. I'm not going to dispute that. I'm not going to sit here and kick him down a peg that doesn't exist you know he's having a historically efficient season with the amount of points that he's putting up and in terms of his field goal percentage and effective field goal percentage one of the best seasons that we've ever seen at his position I believe only two other players have ever put up the type of season that he's doing right now that being said just I'm going to call back to what we were talking about earlier everyone was the reason that Mike Connolly is an all-star in this game is because of team record right so there's a lot of you know, ambiguity as to what really was important for being an all-star, let alone being an all-star starter. Now, I get that this is a fan affair. They probably did go back and look at Zion Williamson's fan votes that he got, and he probably received a good bit, right? So I get all of that. But again, when we're talking about who deserves it more, uh, and it's a glorified scrimmage game, as you guys say, why not put Harden out there with Bill Irving, Leonard, and Tatum like how fun of a lineup would that be you know right. you don't have to have a big out there that would be probably one of the most skilled starting fives in an all-star game ever if you really think about it so I just think that the league is in such a hurry to make Zion you know I'm gonna be kind of a a mean girl here you know is mm-hmm. trying to make him you know the next big thing uh they're, they're trying to make him fetch you know they're trying to make him be we're supposed to just love Zion because of reasons right now. The the Pelicans have been on TV more than any other, more than almost any other team in the NBA. We've seen Zion Williamson all year. It's not like we needed an all-star game to watch him play as opposed to a guy like a Julius Randle or Nikola Vukovic or a Zach Levine or Donovan Mitchell. Those guys aren't on TV as much as Zion Williamson. We've seen how well he's played, but yet the Pelicans have struggled this season and it's, partially due to some of his limitations, right? So, I, again, I'm I'm conflicted because, yes, I know that Zion is a fan favorite. Yes, I know that Zion is going to be in more of these, and I'm not advocating that he not be in more of these. All I'm trying to point out is the fact that I think that he's kind of getting head-of-the-line privileges over some of these other players that are having just as good a season and it's impacting their team's win a little bit more, Jerg, if, if you kind of see where I'm getting at. No, I definitely see where you're getting at. I think... You know, I, I like on principle, I do agree with your point. I think the thing is like the NBA kind of puts itself in a position where like I know we mentioned some of these guys with like Harden, Mitchell and Zach Levine. I just think like the, the position they put themselves in where you it has to be two guards and three front court guys, then it limits us to the front court options. And then we go with Sabonis, Vucevic and Zion and and look, all due respect to those guys. Vucevic is putting up an amazing season. I like Sabonis, honestly. He's like, if Bam, if Bam wasn't my big man in Miami, I would really like a Sabonis if I couldn't have a Bam. So, like, that that's how highly I think of Sabonis, personally. He's such a great player. But at the end of the day, if we rewind to, like, previous cases, if this was, like, a case where, let's say, like, in LeBron's second year, I know he was a starter, but let's say hypothetically, if a front court, if the small forward that year had gotten hurt and LeBron was the guy on the bench, they're promoting LeBron. Uh, if I, ironically, we were speaking about this guy before in his first full season when he played, Blake Griffin was a, a rookie all star. If the power forward that year had gotten hurt, 
which I think was Tim Duncan or Dirk. So they were definitely weren't getting hurt. But let's say one of them w- wanted to sit out there mm-hmm. with with how hot everything was with Blake. Then the whole dunk over the car and all that being the only reason he won. They would have put Blake like I'm not surprised that the NBA is doing it like. Yeah, it just like in this particular scenario, I have to say it just kind of phases me just because it's like you telling me this information. That's also then you're going to tell me, well, jerk, tomorrow morning, the sun is going to is going to go in the sky when a certain time hits. Like, right. That's just how it is. Like, it it feels like it's one of those constants that's that is going to be the case. And like you said, Stephen, at the end of the day, we all understand Zion. He's going to be a part of the all star game for the next 10, 12, 15 years. And we're not denying him what he's eventually going to deserve. But I feel like in a year like this, and this was kind of my thing with the reserves, in a year like this, you can kind of get creative with some of the names you let in and start. Like that that's if I had to pick a point uh disappointment with him being the guy, just why not give it to Sabonis or Vucevic? Because we all know like Or Julius Randle, right? Or him, Rand- yeah. Like Randall is the teammate. Yeah. yeah, they may never get this. So it's like, come on now. Like that that's my only point. If like if I had to argue against it, it's like just give it to one of these guys that may never get this chance again. Like let let that happen. Like why why don't they just do that? Because we know Zion's going to be a starter for the next decade plus. Yeah, and again, the the guy it wouldn't be just settling with a guy that may not ever be on this team again because Randall and Vucevic right. are having. Well, I mean, out- starting that's that's what I meant. I mean, correct, starting. correct, right. I'm just saying that they're having outstanding seasons as you mm-hmm. already pointed out, right? So. Again, that's just my rant. I know it's not going to make anything better, and I do acknowledge the fact that it's it's marketing, it's face of the league. I, I get all of that. It just doesn't mean that I have to be happy about it right now because you know I'm I'm told one thing and another thing is happening in Austin, and then I just I don't have to be happy about it, but I will accept it. No, no, you don't have to be happy about it. Um, but you know, I was looking here. Um, Zion is having the 20th season all time of anyone 21 or younger to score over 25 points per game. And he's got the best field goal percentage of any of those 20 guys. So if anybody's deserving of it at this age, you know, it's hard to make a case that it's not him. Um, That being said, also, I'm sure you guys saw this, but he's the fourth youngest starter ever Mm -hmm. behind LeBron, Kobe and Magic Johnson. So, I mean, they wanted him on that list. Three guys. These are things that exactly what Jerk just said. These are things that the NBA mm-hmm. is going to point back to, you know, 10 years from now when we may be making the case, is he the best basketball player ever? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I was just going to say those other three guys are all one name guys. You know, you just have to say Kobe. You just have to say Magic. And I hate to say it because he hasn't really earned it yet, but. You, if everybody says Zion, you know exactly who they're talking about. You know what I mean? You, no, he really, the last name doesn't really matter too much anymore. He's already almost on that one name kind of superstar basis. So, I mean, like like we've been saying, he's not the most deserving, but this is a marketing thing more than anything. And it is a, a showcase of really for the fans who they want to see. And I think if you polled the majority of people, uh, do they want to see Julius Randle, Zion, Sabonis or Vucevic, I think Zion's going to win that in a landslide. Unfortunately, our network would our go. Network. Our network would go Randall. That's where yes, I'll leave would. it at. But all right, guys, we're talking about all all stars and how I'm just disgruntled about this whole process <laughs> anymore. Now, right? I feel like You're the old, old man in the room. I just I can't let the kids be happy anymore. You know? it's, it's, <laughs> it's like I'm getting shot, right. This is like Top Shot. Top we'll shot. get into that another show. But um, all right, guys. So we're going to close it out. 
on on a more fun segment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe one that we can even all agree on. But we want to talk about now that Mike Connolly Jr. had kind of maybe undeservingly been given the title of best NBA player to never make an all-star appearance. Uh, (laughs) If you go back and look at some of these guys who haven't been, I highly doubt that Mike Conley is the most or would have been the best player to not make an all-star appearance. But uh, Jerry, you're our special guest. I'm going to throw this to you, man. Who in your eyes is the best player to never be an NBA all-star? So I don't think this guy's the best player to necessarily never be an all-star, but I just really find it weird that this guy has a finals MVP and he was never an all-star. And I'm talking about, I'm going way before my time here, but I'm talking about Cedric Maxwell. Like there you I, go. I, I, I love learning about history. And when I realized that Cedric mm-hmm. Maxwell never made an all-star game yet eventually won a finals MVP award. I stopped what I was doing for a good five to 10 minutes to like <laughs> j- figure this math out. So I will say this. He, in the particulars, ironically, we've been talking about Mike Conley. Like in the particulars, he didn't necessarily have like those overwhelming All Star seasons. But there are two years very early in his career that stand out as to like they were pretty solid years. I think his second year in the league, he averaged about 19 points, like 9.8, 9.9 rebounds per game, and like 58 percent from the field. And then the next year, his scoring dipped a little bit, but he shot like 61 percent from the field. Like for a guard to shoot that efficiently, to be a very, very good rebounder for his time, and to be a very reliable double-digit consistent scorer. Like, and, and again, he ended up winning a finals MVP. In that finals, by the way, you know, there's this guy that played in there. I don't know if you guys know him. I think his name was like Larry Bird. Like, uh, uh, yeah, I think I, I know think who I... he is, but they had Kevin McHale. Yeah, that, that guy too, that guy. And and Cedric Maxwell won finals. Of, like that, that just boggled my mind. So I'm not saying <laughs> that he is the definitive best, but I, I cannot believe a finals MVP. I think he's probably, he's the only finals MVP winner as of now to have never played an all-star game. And th- mm-hmm. that to me, like I equate the two and I'm just like, like, the, like it's looking at an apple and then it's looking like a, a grapefruit and it's like yeah well you two aren't the same here <laughs> like like what well mm-hmm. i think those all those names we just listed off are part of the reason he maybe never made an all-star game because right. you know a lot of times he was the fourth best guy on his team if that so well i mean if easy utah jazz, if utah guys. jazz logic existed back then you know hands mm-hmm. down he would be an nba all-star so were the Celtics the super team of course i mean of their time yeah right yeah. but we're not ever going to say that right <laughs> i'm going to say it Awesome. <laughs> all right steven this i want to know who you have, have the microphone and you will listen to everything that i have to say <laughs> right so. <laughs> let's hear it steven what's your team my or team your player your player oh, okay i'm sorry i thought we were having a different segment here um i'm gonna go off the beaten path because i wish that some of the logic that existed today existed at the time that this man played because if you look at a guy like a ben wallace and you look at a guy like a rudy gobert these are guys that got in not because they put up 30 points per game, not because they shot 60% from the field, not because they were league leaders in assists, not because they ran the floor well. It was because they played great defense and they rebounded. They were efficient and they played good team basketball. They were all NBA defenders. And guys like this, I felt like were so underappreciated of their time. Uh, are there more deserving players out there? Probably, but... I think that if he played today's game and put up the same type of numbers that he did then now, oh, yeah. Marcus Camby. I mean, I, I love Marcus Camby's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 
he could put up triple doubles on you with scoring, rebounding, and block shots. I mm-hmm. mean, how many times has this man led the league in block shots? I mean, what, four at least that I know of? Yep. So four times he's led the league in block shots. I think his most deserving year was the 05-06 season when he did kind of put up a couple triple doubles, um, and those were really fun teams to watch. So if you looked at how great of a team that Denver was, you know, he played 33 minutes a game, gave you 13 points, 12 rebounds, over three blocks in a still and a half a game, shooting 47% from the field and shot 71% from the free throw line. So a huge fan of Marcus Camby's game. There are another couple names that, yeah, if you look at like points and assists and stuff like that, hands down, they should be in this conversation as well. But I don't want to undervalue Marcus Camby the way that the NBA seemed to have most of his career. So Marcus Camby gets my nod. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. I, I like that pick a lot. Um, but, you know, from what I've heard from you guys, you know, Jerg went with somebody that he immediately said probably wasn't the most deserving. You said your guy probably wasn't the most deserving. <laughs> I think I'm the only one that follows the rules. I think I'm the only one that follow the rules here. There are no rules about All-Star Game. Yeah. I think that's been very well established. Right. Hey, good point. Good point. You guys you guys got me on that one for sure. Um, so I was looking at, at a bunch of different guys, and it really came down to uh, to two names for me. and. Um, I'll just read off their stats and tell me what you guys think. Here's the first one. Uh, 22.8 points, um, 5.9 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 2.3 steals, 1.2 blocks. Whatever's one guy. And the other one, 22 points, seven rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block. Um, both shot just in between 40 and 50% from the field. Um, first off, can you either of you name who I'm, who I'm thinking of or and which one just sounds better? Well, we know one of the guys. It's Ron yeah. Harper is one. One of the guys is Ron Harper. I've, Rod Strickland, the other no, one, Rod Richard what? Jefferson. Richard uh, Jefferson was going to be first my one was Ron guy. Harper and the second one was Richard Jefferson. Yeah. So it, to me, it's kind of a toss up between those two seasons. Like how do you average 22 seven and four or 23 five and or six and five and not make an all-star team you know ron harper he did that several times actually i mean he at the beginning of his career people a lot of people think of ron harper and they think of the chicago bulls la lakers last dance yeah who you know never averaged more than 11 points per game when he was in in cleveland i mean 23 15 18 23 20 18 18 and 20 in his years in in Cleveland and, and the, with the Clippers. I mean, he was a absolute killer. I mean, he could score. And as you can see, I mean, two steals a game every year that he was a starter for that team. Every single year, over two steals a game. He'd be leading the NBA in steals this year five or six times in his career. And, you know, I just think thinking back to – you know, just the NBA in that time period, like how does a guy score that much in a period where scoring wasn't what it is right now? You know, teams didn't average 120 points per game in 1989. I mean, there was a time before that where they did, but that was kind of the beginning of like the, the you know, the, the lower scoring era of the NBA. So it just blows me away that he had those kind of numbers and then, and didn't make it. And then Richard Jefferson too, when he was with the Nets, I mean, people forget how athletic he was. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a highlight machine and it just, 
would go up and dunk on people, played great defense. You know, he was he was like kind of the key to those a lot of those Nets teams, I feel like, that people overlook because everybody knew who Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin were, but but Richard Jefferson was kind of what made them go. And and I just think both of those guys were really surprised to see that they they never made it. Yeah, and and they're both great uh, selections as well. But ultimately, guys, I think that you know it's it's just really difficult to compare then and now. Uh, I see that my screen has locked up, but <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on. But uh, guys, I do I do appreciate the fact that. You guys came prepared, and uh, as always, I know that you guys do such great work. But, Jerg, thank you so much for being a, a guest on our show tonight. And before we close, man, I just want to let the people know where they can you know, follow your work and maybe some things that you have going on down the road. Uh, absolutely. At JergK40 uh, on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow me there, it would be appreciated. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it to the people of judging of if I'd be a good follower or not. Not for me to say. Uh, in, in terms of what I got coming up, uh, tomorrow, week six of my NHL power rankings is going to be out. Uh, a little bit of a, a shift in the rankings this week, as it's been the last few weeks. The NHL is going crazy. And I got some things in the work, uh, some episodes, me and Chris LeBron. Again, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to let Chris put it out there because uh, he's just as excited for this as me. But we will be conducting an interview uh, within the coming days with a guy who is known in the hockey community who has done some great work uh, with uh, some commentary. With uh, He has his own show. Uh, again, I'm not going to say anything specific but because uh, I want Chris to, but I'm very excited for that. It's going to be coming out. Go to Off the Ball Network Facebook page for that. And for all the great work that all of us do, especially the, my two compadres, I'm, I've done the show with OffTheBallNetwork.com for some of the great work that Austin and Steven do. All right. I appreciate that, man. Austin, man, what about you? What about you know where the – Folks can find you and follow some of the work that you have going on. Where's that voice coming from? <laughs> Darkness. <laughs> no, um, you can find me at Off the Ball Network, Austin Car Ten on Twitter. Um, we've got some pretty big things in the works for our just our network in general. Our our basketball coverage is uh, hopefully about to grow um, a little bit. Um, I little I, I don't want to take too much credit because I didn't really do a whole lot, but. I did have a, a hand in that, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. So I'm sure we'll be announcing something soon. Um, so I don't want to go too far into that. But uh, I'll have another article out here soon in, in the next day or two, I'm sure. I'll, I'll figure out something to write about. Uh, it doesn't. It's not too hard. But, uh, you know, you guys can go off to, to Off the Ball Network and check out everything that I've been doing so far. Um, I've had some pretty good responses lately, so hopefully we'll keep that going for you. Absolutely. And as for myself, you can't see me right now if you're watching live. But I mean, if you're listening to us on the Nothing But Nest channel on Dash Radio, you don't see me anyway. You just hear my voice. So everything is the same for you guys. But uh, I would just encourage you guys to follow the Off The Ball Network. Um, go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at StevenBTG, which BTG stands for the name of the show. You can follow me on Instagram at StevenWGillespie. You can follow the show itself on either platform at BTG NBA pod. And I do have a couple pieces up on the off the ball network.com that you can go read working on a couple more now, but I mean, for, for now guys, that's the end of the show. Just appreciate you guys coming on and we'll close out here uh, for our special guest, Jerg for my awesome co-host Austin Carr for myself, for the break in the game show here on the nothing but net channel on dash radio and off the ball network.com. 
We will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.